for joining me on episode 80 of the Unique On A Purpose podcast, helping you find victory in how God has uniquely created you. I am your host, Rachel Jenneman, just a regular gal trying to help people know they are called to be victors in Christ Jesus. And today we continue our conversation on the motivational giftings that you find in Romans chapter 12. Each and every single one of you was created unique on purpose. And through these giftings, we find out how you were uniquely created, but also how it can help you relate to other people, whether it's at home, whether it's at work or in your ministry. Last time we covered perceiver, server, and teacher. And this week we will cover exhorter, giver, administrator, and mercy. Welcome back to the Unique on Purpose podcast. And this is part two of your motivational gifts. Every single person has been born with a gift. You find the motivational gifts in Romans chapter 12, verses six through eight, having gifts differing according to the grace that was given to us. If prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of our faith or service. Let us give ourselves to service or he who teaches to his teaching or he who exhorts to his exhorting he who gives let him do it with liberality and he who rules with diligence he who shows mercy with cheerfulness again Romans 12 6 through 8 and we're just going to do a little recap we did the perceiver uh, also known as prophecy but we're going to call it perceiver as not to get it confused with the spiritual gift of prophecy we went over perceiver surfer and teacher and today we are going to go over exhorter giver administrator or ruler and compassion slash mercy but just remember everyone has a motivational gift including you the gifts that you and i possess shape our personalities so does the environment that we have grown up in so does our birth order whether our parents are married or divorced Everything shapes our personalities, but the gifts that God has placed inside of us definitely shape us and how we handle certain situations. And then they also show us how we relate to other people, those that we work with, our spouses, our children. God has created us with a free will, and we can choose to use the gifts that he has placed in us appropriately, or we can neglect them. They are also given to us to benefit others in the body of Christ And if you're frustrated at where you are serving in the body of Christ, it might be that you're operating outside of your gift, or maybe you're frustrated where you're working right now. And it could very well be that you're operating outside of your gifting. If you remember from last time, we talked about looking at the giftings as a cinnamon roll. If you were to relate the perceiver to an ingredient in the cinnamon roll, I would relate it to salt because salt is something that is needed. You either love it or you hate it and it can be tasty, but also it could clean out a wound and be kind of painful. A server, I relate to an egg because it is one that kind of binds us all together. Teachers, I relate to the baking soda. There's what there are ones that do a lot of research. They communicate truth, but they help us rise to the occasion. Oh, icing for the exhorter. It's like the icing on the cinnamon roll. It's just that little extra in life. The giver, I relate to the flower because it helps us expand Then there's the administrator or the ruler that I relate to the recipe because they're ones that help lead us and keep us organized. And then compassion or mercy. I say they're the cinnamon and sugar that is in the cinnamon roll. They are that sugar and spice and everything nice. 
As we are going through the rest of the giftings, ask yourself, which gifts do I possess? How can I use that gift at home, at work, in my church, my current ministry? How can I relate to others with my gift and with their gift to me? Am I using my gift to the fullest or am I just sitting around? And if I am just sitting around, how can I get started using my gifts to the fullest? And we talked last week about the perceiver. I told you it's the salt. They're really blunt individuals. They are black and white, good and evil. They're persuasive speakers. And if I could relate them to anyone in scripture, I did mention Peter, but I would also relate them to John the Baptist. John the Baptist was kind of that turn and burn individual. Either you're going to follow Jesus or get off the ride. The surfer we talked about is one that doesn't like to lead. They just enjoy serving. They enjoy hospitality. They enjoy manual projects, working with their hands. They have high energy. And again, they don't want to lead. They just want to serve. And if I were to pick someone in scripture that really fits the server, I would say Martha. You remember the story of Mary and Martha? And and I always kind of dislike that story when people describe it because they always give Martha a bad rap because she was wanting to work instead of spending time with Jesus. But that was Martha's gifting was hospitality. If you read that in scripture, she was the one who invited Jesus to come to her home. She wanted to be one who served Jesus with her gifting. We also talked about the teacher last week who I compared to the baking soda in our cinnamon roll. They only make up about 6% of the population and they're the Joe Friday of the people. Just the facts, ma'am. They love facts. They're incredibly intelligent. It's not fair. But if I were to compare them to someone in scripture, I would say maybe Apollos or Aquila and Priscilla, probably a Paul too. But I also see Paul as an exhorter and we'll get to that here in just a moment. So let's now move on. If you missed any of the details about those three giftings, make sure you check out my last podcast where I really explain those. But let's move on to the exhorter. Exhorters are also known as the encouragers. They're the type of people that just see the full potential in every single individual. I say that they're the icing on the cinnamon roll. They are that icing on the cake, that little extra in life that makes it beautiful. They make up about 16% of the population and they just love to encourage people. They are people, people. Oftentimes, Exhorters are extroverted, but not all the time. Some exhorters are not really big into research. They would rather leave that to the teacher personality, and they like practical information. They're more about the how-to books versus uh, reading fiction for pleasure. pleasure. They're great communicators, and they love to counsel other people. They make great motivational speakers. They will discontinue personal counseling if they see no change. They, They, yes, they want to encourage and they want to help the person that maybe they're counseling, but they're not going to continue on with that person if that person is not willing to make the changes they need. They view trials as opportunities to grow, similar to that of the perceiver, but in a different way. Because they love to encourage, they're encouraging in that growth. They accept other people without judgment, and they are well-liked for their go-getter positive attitude. They prefer to witness with their life rather than do verbal evangelism. And they are pretty good at completing what they start. And they're also 
they're not indecisive. They're pretty decisive people. They make decisions easy, but they do expect a lot out of others and themselves. And partially that's that positivity that's in them. They expect a lot out of you because they see the potential that is inside of you and they know that you can do it. And they oftentimes need to bounce ideas off of somebody else. I'm definitely an exhorter. I love to encourage people to their full potential. And I always used to feel terrible for our church administrator because I would walk into her office and I swear every other day I was bugging her and interrupting her work with something, but I was that external processor and I needed to bounce all the ideas off of her so I could get a better understanding because once it came out of my mouth, then I was able to determine if the project that I wanted to do was a good idea or not. Exhorters are the type of people that you really want in your life. You don't want to be constantly surrounded by exhorters because you might not get the the constructive criticism you need for change like you would a perceiver or a teacher. But with an exhorter, I have a friend, Colette, and she is excited for me about everything. I could call her and say, Colette, I just got a new tube of lipstick. And she'd be like, girl, you deserve that lipstick. Good for you. You deserve that. You need it. But she's an exhorter and she sees everything in such a positive light. They can, if an exhorter is not mature in their gifting, they can interrupt others with their advice. And sometimes they can take scripture out of context in order to make a point. So it's very important that the exhorter is in the word and really understands what is behind the scenes in that word. They can often be bossy and gossipy and over talkative if they are not mature in their gifting and they can be overconfident. But you definitely need an exhorter in your life because yes, it is so good to have those people that give you constructive criticism. But man, How awesome is it to have a cheerleader? And if I were to say anyone in scripture is an exhorter, I would definitely say Paul, because every time you read one of Paul's letters, he always starts it off with greetings. I am so thankful to God for you. It just seems that Paul is genuinely in love with the people that he serves in his ministry. When it comes to career choices of the exhorter, you often see them in the line of pastors or teachers, missionaries, marriage counselors, wellness specialists, chaplains, writers, and even musicians or worship leaders. Up next, let's talk about the giver. I call the giver the flower in our cinnamon roll because they really help us expand the kingdom. These are people that just have a natural gift of bringing in money. They make up about 6% of the population and they least likely to be identified from all the other gifts. They're because they look so much like the server and there is some overlap there, but there are some ways to differentiate. They freely give in money, time and possessions and they love to give in secret. If you got a secret gift somehow, probably came from a giver. They always want to feel a part of the ministry in which they contribute and they grieve and intercede for the needs and salvation of souls. If you remember last week for the perceiver, they normally grieve for those that are living in a life of sin. And that is God saying, hey, you need to be praying for their sinful, their sinful nature, where with the giver, they'll have that burden for needs and for salvation. And that's God saying, hey, you need to be praying for that person's salvation. They give only when led by the Holy Spirit. So these are not people that are gullible. 
they're not people that can be manipulated into giving. A perceiver can be manipulated into giving because their their emotions are more up and down. So if they are moved emotionally, they're more likely to give to that. Where the giver is more even keel and they are really led by the Holy Spirit and they will seek confirmation on how much to give. Givers give the very best. They will be frugal with themselves, but they will give the they they will give the gifts of the very best for other people. There was a woman that I went to church with. Her name is Marty, and I swear she is probably going to have more treasures in heaven than anybody else I've ever met in my life. She is the sweetest person, and she is just a natural giver. And I remember when my son was turning one years old, and it was around the same time another boy was turning one. Well, she was really close with this boy's mother and decided to throw a birthday party and asked if we would like to come. And I said, yeah, that's great. My, my son's birthday is around the same time. That'll be fun. Not expecting anything. She's like, oh, well, we'll celebrate his birthday, too. Again, not expecting anything, thinking we're going to a birthday party for this boy and maybe they're just going to put uh, my son's name on this cake. I show up to this party and there is this huge banner, happy birthday, Caleb, God loves you. My son's name is Caleb. He had his own cake and there were tons of presents, not just for this other boy, but for my son. And the biggest and most expensive gift was from this woman. And she did it with such a humble heart. And there was food everywhere. I mean, you couldn't sit down because there were trays of brownies like sitting on different chairs. And she even went and got chicken nuggets from McDonald's for the kids so they had something to munch on instead of our adult food. She is just that person that is always giving. Givers often view hospitality as an opportunity for them to give, and they handle finances with wisdom and frugality, and they are really quick to help others in need, but of course, led by the Holy Spirit, and they will give above and beyond their tithe. They are natural evangelists, and they're very good at trusting God for his provision for their supply, and they're very hardworking. They're prosperous. In order to give more money to the kingdom, they will naturally have more money coming into them and it is because God is calling them to give more. And you will find that a lot of entrepreneurs are givers. They are natural and effective in business ability. I know a friend who he is always been since I've known him in his early 20s has just been a natural entrepreneur and now he has his own business multi-million dollar business that he started from scratch but he gives away most of his money because he is just that's how his brain works it's how it's wired to be able to receive all that money and he's constantly giving to different ministries and organizations they always get the best value for their money spent they have the natural god-given gift of wisdom and if they are not, if givers are not mature in their gifting, they don't realize that they're, that they're gifted as a giver. They may try to control how others give and push others to give. They also may spoil their children or give just to get out of responsibility. And when it comes to, to jobs, I would definitely say they are more entrepreneurial bent. Now, if you are a giver, that doesn't mean that you have to be an entrepreneur. But when it comes to careers, most givers are entrepreneurs coupled with another gifting. And if I were to compare 
someone in scripture to a giver. I would uh, two people come to the top of my mind. First off, Mary Magdalene, because Mary Magdalene supported Jesus not only or financially supported Jesus, not only in life, but also in death, because she was the one that bought burial spices and headed to the tomb so she could anoint Jesus's body. And those spices were so expensive. This woman had some wealth behind her. We don't know how, but she definitely had some wealth behind her. To anoint a deceased body back in biblical times was incredibly expensive, and it was reserved for royalty. And here she was giving of her finances to give Jesus a royal burial. The other person that I would say is a giver is hands down Phoebe. She is another one that used her finances to support ministry. Paul even says that Phoebe was a major benefactor in his ministry. And Lydia also comes to the top of my brain because she is an an entrepreneur and she is the one who made money selling purple cloth. Now let's move on to the administrator slash ruler, also known as a leader. And they are the recipe in our cinnamon roll because they're the ones that bring direction. They help with help us with our organization to get the job done. They make up about 13 percent of the population and they're highly motivated to organize what they are responsible for. They are fantastic starters. They're excellent communicators. They like to use charts, diagrams, outlines, graphs, visual aids, and they respect and handle authority well. Even though they are a natural leader, they will not lead unless it is delegated by authority, but they will assume leadership if it does not exist. So if you get a group of people together, say at a prayer meeting and the pastor up front says, okay, everybody break break off into your groups and pray for each other. Well, what happens when, when people do that? Well, they get into their groups and everyone just kind of stands there for a moment because they don't know what to do. And finally, the person most likely who is the ruler, the leader, the administrator will step in and take the lead. Administrators like long range goals, one or two years. They're visionaries. They have a broad perspective and they're not into the details. They don't, they're not like the server where the server can do the same manual job every single day. The administrator doesn't want to do that. They like projects. If the project goes for a few years, great, but they don't want to be doing the exact same thing every year. They're very good at delegating and supervising, and they can endure criticism in order to accomplish a task. So they're a lot better at criticism than, say, the mercy or the perceiver or the server. They have a zeal and an enthusiasm for whatever they are involved in, and they like to give others credit for a job well done. They have no problem not taking all of the credit for themselves, but making sure that the person that worked underneath of them that worked really hard, they have no problem making sure that they get credit. Once they complete a task, they're ready for the next one. I am definitely an exhorter first, but right underneath, I'm a perceiver and I'm an administrator. And I remember when I was planning my wedding, I loved planning weddings. Most people, they hate planning their wedding. I loved it because it was a project for me. But as soon as that project was over, once I was married, it was like, okay, I want to move on to the next thing. I'm always ready for some sort of project that I can put together. Administrators are note takers. They make lists. It's how they're able to stay organized and get things done. They like working and being around people. They enjoy being in teams. 
They don't, like I said earlier, do not enjoy repetitive routine tasks. And they will, if they're not mature enough in their gifting and don't understand themselves and other people, they can get upset when others do not share their vision. And because they're better at taking in criticism, they can develop calluses due to that criticism. And they can be so driven with the projects that they're involved in that if they're not careful, they can neglect their personal needs as well as their family needs. So if you have a pastor, especially someone in ministry that is an administrator, they need to be very careful that they are not neglecting their family for the sake of the ministry. They can also neglect routine home responsibilities due to their intense interest in the task or projects that they are involved in. If I were to say anyone in scripture is an administrator, a leader, a ruler, I would go with Nehemiah. I mean, there are quite a few leaders in scripture, but Nehemiah was one of those that said, hey, this is what needs to happen. We need to go build a wall. So let's do it. And he had the vision. He shared the vision and he was able to gather up people together to go help him carry that vision out. And when it comes to jobs, oftentimes you'll see administrators, rulers as politicians or executives of companies, or even executive pastors, merchants, some sort of director or a superintendent. Now let's move on to the mercy motivated or the compassion, but we're just going to stick to the word mercy. Uh, They make up about 30% of the population, probably because we need them. And on a personal note, I think the mercy is the one that I struggle with the most, probably because one of my motivational giftings is perceiver. Perceiver and mercy are almost the opposites where the perceiver, they're very straightforward. They're very blunt. And it's not that they don't care about your feelings, but they, they, they're they one of those facts come before your feelings kind of people where mercy is all about your feelings and not wanting to hurt anybody. And I would call them the cinnamon and sugar in our cinnamon roll because they are that sugar and spice and everything nice. And they have this tremendous capacity to just show love to other people, that unconditional love. And they're always looking for the good in others. They can even sense the spiritual and emotional condition of an individual or even a group. If they walk into a room, they can kind of sense that spiritual and emotional condition. And they are attracted to people who are hurting. But here's the deal. Hurting people are also attracted to them and they can be taken advantage of very quickly because they are quick to want to remove any hurt and relieve any distress in others. And they're more concerned for your mental and emotional distress over your physical. And they're the ones they're going to open the door for you. They're going to give up their chair for you. And they're very careful with their words as to not hurt your feelings. And remember that I said that they're the ones that I struggle with probably the most. And it's because they're so concerned with not hurting my feelings. And they're very careful with their words that as a perceiver, I'm just like, just tell me what you want to say. I mean, just tell me, even if you think it's going to hurt my feelings, like I really need you to be straightforward with me. I don't understand as a perceiver. I don't understand the beating around the bush kind of thing. So stop being careful with your words and just tell me how you feel. So if you are that mercy motivated person and you are married to a perceiver or you work with a perceiver, don't worry about their feelings. It's going to be okay. Just be straightforward with them. They will appreciate that about you. They can detect insincerity 
or wrong motives of other people. They are drawn to others with compassion. So not only are they drawn to people who are hurting, people that are hurting are drawn to them. They are drawn to other people that have that gift of compassion. And they love to do thoughtful things for people. They are very trusting and they are trustworthy. They're the ones that are going to keep the secrets. They're the ones that are going to be there for you. They're the ones that if you are going through a hard time, that's that's who you call. That's who you call. You know they're going to listen. They will often avoid conflict and confrontation. They don't want anything to do with it. I don't know of anybody who enjoys conflict or confrontation, but they will go out of their way to avoid it. And mercy motivated people cannot be rushed and they are often tardy. This is another thing that probably drives the perceiver crazy. Uh, I've known mercy motivated people that if you have a meeting at two o'clock, you need to tell them to be there at 1.30 because then you know that at two o'clock they'll be on time. They're just, for whatever reason, they lag and they're always late and they can be ruled by their emotions rather than their head. They're not even keel like the teacher or the giver. Their emotions are a lot more up and down. And the perceiver, they are called to really intercede for the sins of other people. Givers, they have a burden to intercede for those that are not Christians, that are not saved. But the mercy motivated person intercedes for the hurt of others. They're the they're the person, God's going to wake them up in the middle of the night for the hurt of somebody to, to, to pray for them. And they're easily hurt by others and by the hurts of others. They can be indecisive if they don't understand their giftings, they're not mature enough in their giftings yet. They're the they're the person that's at McDonald's going, oh my gosh, I don't know, do I want a number one or do I want a number three? Well, I really don't like cheese, but I'm sure that I could get it with cheese. Oh, geez, now that I've decided that I'm getting a number one, do I want the French fries or do I want the apples? Do I want the Dr. Pepper or the Coke? They're, they're, they need a little bit extra time when it comes to making the decisions. And here's a big one if you are mercy motivated. Your affection for the opposite sex can be misinterpreted. So please be careful. I remember uh, when I was a teenager and there was a boy that I kind of had a crush on and he was really cute and I genuinely thought he liked me and it was because he was always attentive. He had his arm around me. He was always listening. He always wanted to have conversations with me and he genuinely did not have any feelings for me. He was just such a... A nice guy. He actually ended up marrying uh, one of my best friends at the time. So be careful with the opposite sex. And I would probably say out of anyone in scripture, the person that is the most mercy motivated would be King David. When you are reading all throughout his story, you see him constantly wanting to use his power as someone on the throne to show mercy to someone else. Jonathan's son, his best friend's son, who was a cripple, I can't pronounce his name, so I'm not even going to try, but his best friend's son, he brought in as a cripple who back in biblical times was considered absolutely nothing less than an animal, but he brought him in and said, you are going to now eat at the king's table the rest of your life. And there are so many stories of King David just showing compassion for people. But King David also had a thing for the ladies. So something to really be careful of. Another one in scripture is the Good Samaritan. He showed compassion and mercy to the person that was hurt when everyone else just walked past him. 
But I would also say that the, the the Good Samaritan would probably be a giver as well because he had the finances. Not only did he have the mercy and the compassion to help the person that was in need, but he also had the finances to pay the medical bills of that person in need. Oh, something that I forgot. I want to share this story of a mercy motivated person. First of all, if you are compassionate, if you are mercy motivated, please set boundaries because you are drawn to people who are hurt, you are more than likely going to have people walking all over you. Years ago, I went on a missions trip to Bangladesh. And if you've ever been to a third world country, you see the destitute. You don't realize how good you have it here in the United States until you go to a third world country. And there are children almost completely naked because of their lack of clothing, no shoes, and they're running the streets and they're filthy and they're begging for money. You see older men that are super skinny, maybe missing an arm or a leg, begging for finances. And oftentimes you see quite a few prostitutes begging you for either food, money, or are willing to do anything possible in order to get their next drug fix. And if you are a mercy-motivated person, this is probably the most horrendous Thing to witness. And as we were on the trip, I asked one of the college kids that was with us, hey, how are you enjoying this missions trip? I was having a blast because we were helping people. We were working with human trafficking survivors. It was it was just a wonderful experience. But I'm an exhorter, so I see the positive in everything. And I'm talking to this mercy motivated man. And he says, I hate this trip. I hate this trip so much. And it was because he was so heartbroken over what he was seeing and he could not handle it. And I said, listen, the reason why you are heartbroken is because God is calling you to pray. You have to set those boundaries around you to not allow everything to hurt you the way it is. But God is asking you to pray for these people, pray for the situation. You will not be able to help every single person because if it were up to that young man, he would have given all of his money. He would have let down every single boundary. He would have let people who would have taken advantage of him walk all over him when really, yes, he needs to have a discernment on when to help, but he really needed to be praying for them. All right. So let's move on to what good jobs are for those that are mercy motivated. Anything that has to do with caregiving, Really? I mean, nurses, veterinarians, artists, musicians, life coaches, anywhere where you actually get to work with people, a guidance counselor, teachers, social workers, nonprofit organization workers, even lawyers, especially if your heart is wanting to work with a defendant who you know is not guilty, hospice workers. Oh, I cannot say this enough. A mercy motivated person is what is needed when it comes to hospice. And also you could be very good at being self-employed, but I cannot stress this enough. If you are a mercy motivated person, you are going to struggle with boundaries more than anyone. So make sure you are setting those up and you are learning how to do that. If you are wondering how you are gifted, maybe you've gone through all the, the seven giftings you've listened and you have pinpointed where you land. Well, now it's time to take the quiz to find out what's your top gifting and maybe what are the gifts that come right underneath of it. My husband 
is definitely a teacher, but underneath he has that mercy motivated bent. So even though he's very much about the facts and he's more straightforward and even keeled, he has that compassion that goes underneath of him that really helps with that teacher gifting. And if you want to dig even further into the giftings test, once you've taken the test, you've learned what your motivational gifting is. There is a gifts book called Discover Your God-Given Gifts, the biblical handbook to help you discover why you think and act the way you do, how gifts affect your relationships, what career or ministry suits you best, and how using your gifts will bring you joy. And I will make sure that I put that book in the show notes. Again, I highly recommend it. And it's an older book, so you can purchase it on Amazon for as cheap as a a, a couple bucks. But these are experts. Don and Katie Fortin, they are experts in the gifting field and they break everything down to really help you understand yourself, how you were uniquely created, and then how you can use that in your relationships and in God's kingdom. Thank you for hanging out with me on the latest episode of the Unique on a Purpose podcast. And you were created unique on purpose. We see this in the book of Romans, chapter 12, the seven different giftings you have of those giftings and with them mixed together you are able to make an impact for the kingdom so head on over to the show notes i want you to take that quiz see where you are uniquely gifted and if you would like to dig deeper into your gifting check out in the show notes discover your god given gifts a book that you can purchase on amazon i'm rachel and just as a reminder you were created unique on purpose you are loved and because of christ you have been made worthy i'll see you right back here next time